character because I like building stuff. I, when I grow up, I want to be a stunt double. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut and travel to Mars. It's the age-old problem for recent grads and for those who are trying to break into a new industry. How do you get the job if you don't have professional experience? Oh, yeah. And when it comes to getting a job, they say it's not what you know, it's who you know. So how do you get a job if you don't know anyone? Ah, frustrating! Well, Sean, there's a solution. Will. Who's that? (laughs) It's not a who, it's a what. What? W-I-L. It stands for Work Integrated Learning. It's a term that covers all the ways you can learn by doing. Co-ops, field placements, applied research projects, apprenticeships, and more. It's important. In the 2019 federal budget, the government earmarked $800 million to create more work-integrated learning opportunities and partnerships. It's an important way for students to gain real-world experience, make important professional connections, and flex those soft skills on your digital platforms And in real life. Stay with us for a great conversation about work-integrated learning and find out what's in it for both employers and students. Welcome to WorkShift. Be open-minded to that experience. Uh, I think work-integrated learning or learning comes in different forms and fashions. Uh, Some students of today that might have experienced uh, being a student a few years ago, it's it's definitely changed. The classrooms change. Co-curriculum things are happening with employers. There's you know, more things happening in and out of the classrooms and labs and everything else. So I think just being open-minded to the different experiences uh, will make that person be that much more um, marketable. Digital disruption. The gig economy. Artificial intelligence. Robots! There's a lot of talk about these things in the media and online, but what do they mean for you? I'm Sean McEwen. And I'm Ray Harapal. We're exploring the future of work and changes you can expect to see at your job. We'll tell you how this massive digital shift could change your career and what you could do to adapt, evolve, and thrive. Today we're talking about how expanding work-integrated learning opportunities at college and university can help set you up for success, whether you're new to the workforce or you're back at school to make a career change. Today we're talking to Brian Convery, RBC's Director of Early Talent Acquisition, and to Dario Guishini, George Brown College's Director of Work Integrated Learning and Experiential Education. So, before we get started, let's find out what we mean when we say Work Integrated Learning. Uh, The name says it all. It's the integration of learning with work. Are, what, are, what are we doing with our students that are helping them develop skills that will make it easier for them to transition into the workplace? Uh, my name is Brian Convery, and I am the Director of Early Talent Acquisition for RBC, also a fancy name for campus recruitment. I basically hire the students across Canada into all jobs and roles at the bank, everything from HR to wealth management to technology and everything in between, and everywhere from Vancouver to Montreal to Halifax and here in Toronto. Uh, From an employer perspective, um, for us, work-integrated learning is really giving giving the students the chance to practice what they've learned. There are more options than ever when it comes to students getting workplace experience. So how do you narrow it down? There's a lot of confusion. 
students are super confused about how do they map that journey to find that first role or that first opportunity. Uh, there's a lot of information coming at them. Um, we know the influencers in the system, their friends, their parents, their uh, you know, different people that are giving them advice, um, the internet, uh, everything's there and available. However, uh, a lot of that information sometimes is misguided or interpreted in the wrong way. Um, I saw a statistic that 95% of student or 95% of parents give their uh, children uh, career advice and 3% get it right. I'd say that's probably about right. The, the idea that you're a, a student in business and finance and that that's a direct linear path to your co-op or internship or your work integrated learning experience is no longer. You could do what you want with your degree. Uh, a couple examples I can share is we've had a variety of degrees and diplomas coming into RBC. Um, we have biology majors on the trading floor. We have musical theater majors in private banking. We have you name it, liberal arts students, all, all engaged in all areas of the bank. So what, if anything, from this conversation to demystify is that we hire from all schools, all universities, all colleges, all programs. So you're going out on a work placement. Does that mean you will be picking up coffees and making cafes? We've all seen the TVs and movies and, and different things out there around, you know, the interns and the, and the folks getting coffee. But um, we, don't, we don't look at that as the opportunity for advancement. We look at giving students meaningful work and, and responsibility from the day they start with us. Um, so as it looks at uh, creating this universal student experience, which we have at RBC, Part of that is educating first the managers who are employing a student. It's a very different ball game when you're employing an 18 or 19 year old uh, young person uh, in the in the workforce than it is a full time employee. So in it and things like feedback and um, and guidance and coaching and mentorship, all those things come with that experience. If you don't train your workforce to be able to manage youth and to um, to be there as an advisor, um, then, then you're, missing, you're missing the ball. Students learn how to use relevant technologies at school and in their placements. And Brian says he's seeing more and more students who are picking up new tech skills on their own. You know, YouTube is, is, a, big, is a big one that they learn different skills on. Um, I think that from that perspective, I see a lot more innovation on the youth side to learn new skills beyond just the classroom and beyond just the employment. Uh, so it's pretty exciting you know, to see, and, and to your point directly to your question, when you think of skills like Python or new technologies, and, and that's not even that new anymore, I'm, I'm probably dating myself, um, but when you look at students coming in saying, I have six months of Python, and we think, wow, that's not that much experience. Well, if it's been out for six months, that's a lot of experience, right? It's more than our, it's more than our own technology leaders have. Uh, so. 100 uh, percent, they are out and looking and gaining those skills um, with, with ears out, trying to figure out what's the next thing to learn. Teaching technology for our students is teaching our students how to learn. Help them learn how to learn, be resilient, be adaptable, and then partner with the right people and with the right organizations for them to practice those skills. So while we are talking about students on work placement... Are you imagining people in their late teens or early 20s? How about mature students? People returning to school to reskill and upgrade? People looking to make a career pivot? 
Brian and Dario share some advice for them. What I, my advice to those individuals is, first step, you took the step to go get the extra credentials and the extra experience, so good on you to begin with. That shows initiative, right? And that you want to better yourself. So that's awesome. I think then be open-minded to that experience. Uh, I think, you know, again, back to Dario's point that work integrated learning or learning comes in different forms and fashions. Uh, some students of today that might have experienced student, uh, being a student a few years ago, it's, it's definitely changed. The classrooms change. Co-curriculum things are happening with employers. There's you know, more things happening in and out of the classrooms and labs and everything else. So I think just being open-minded to the different experiences uh, will make that person be that much more um, marketable, as well as being able to capture those learning moments. I find whether it's new grads or students or people returning to uh, upskill, talking about yourself and talking about your skills, it doesn't come naturally to many. And so I do find quite often pulling uh, skills out of people to, to, to kind of get to what they've learned. So I think one advice is be proud about what you're doing and be articulate about what you're doing and share that with potential employers as well as, um, as, as, well as others. Uh, I think that's one area that uh, making that transition from school to work and knowing how to talk about yourself and talking about the skills that you've gained is a tricky one for many. Uh, however, if you really kind of focus and think about what you've learned and, and, and look at the future of work and the future of skills, this is what you're getting in your education. So speak about it, call it out, and uh, be proud. I would like to share a personal, personal example on, on, uh, on this. I mean, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I came to Canada a few years ago. And um, as a mature uh, student... Um, I'm a, I'm a, let's call it a mature professional. I had my education, work experience, and I came just to study. I, came, I started my studies again. I changed careers from engineering to human resources, and um, and I, I'm a product of a will opportunity. Part of the program, I had a will opportunity, and my advice to those who have a, are changing careers or are you know taking an up, up you know. Up, Scaling their 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 knowledge um, is to don't be afraid to to do what is required and do it whatever is required and do do your best give that one hundred percent plus that great attitude and show that you are willing to keep learning regardless of where you are show that you are passionate about what you do and opportunities will present. Um, so my advice is is that is is it's not easy to start again sometimes, and we have many of those at the college, many students um, uh, going through a transition of of changing careers, so going to, you know upscaling their uh, their uh, um, credentials. Uh, but it's about that. Don't be, don't you know take one step at a time. Do your best. Give that hundred and plus and. Uh, and do meaningful networking. Don't be afraid of telling people what you want and what you're looking for. In, in with the, talking about talk talk to the right people, and don't be afraid to share what you're looking for. Okay, it's the end of your first day in this new work placement. Things are going well. 
you've met new people, made a little small talk. Now you open up that LinkedIn app on your phone and prepare to fire off a barrage of connection requests. Don't send a LinkedIn request without a proper introduction, unless you know the person really well. Please write a sentence. Hey, I met you today. Great meeting you. Would love to be connected with you. Do you have... Do you have people try to connect with you on other platforms that aren't your professional platforms? <laughs> Twitter, I actually do, but even not typically students these days, but, but I think it's a hard sell to kind of get noticed through a LinkedIn DM or a, an Instagram or even through your resume. Um, you know, we, we ourselves are inundated with resumes for jobs to the point of... Um, too many. Uh, as an example, this summer we had 35,000 individual students apply for the jobs at RBC. 35,000. So standing out in a resume pile of 35,000 individuals is not going to make it. So we talk very heavily about this with our friends like Dario and others at George Brown College that we need to help the students stand out, but stand out in different ways. Stand out at the events, come out and talk, network again with purpose. Um, I have uh, quite a bit of um, content out there on LinkedIn about how to make your LinkedIn profile, how to humanize your LinkedIn profile. It's a blog I have out there, I guess. If you look at some of the LinkedIn profiles now, they are bringing more of a humanized touch. You look at the, the real estate you have, you have seconds, seconds to impress someone who's looking at your profile beyond the resume, which is where we usually go is LinkedIn. First of all, the students need to have one. Secondly, professional pictures, uh, use the, the, the small screen space on a phone to tell your story, humanize who you are. I don't need to see that you're a student at George Brown College. How about you're a passionate finance student at George Brown College specializing in human resources? That says a heck of a lot more about you. Or, you know, use your skill sets that you're learning and, and update them on LinkedIn. Don't have Word, Microsoft, and PowerPoint as your top three skills. I hope so. What I want to see is leadership, communications, time management, different skills that we're looking for. So LinkedIn has become a platform where I myself probably 10 years ago said, why do I need it? I'm just copying my resume into another platform. But it's become so much more. It's become a way to really highlight who you are and also to share blogs about your experience, talk about what you're doing. You have a student here right now who's a RBC student ambassador as part of George Brown College, and she's blogging about her experience on, on LinkedIn. She's come back to the campus as, as an extension of my team to run events. She started a tech, uh, a tech club for students here herself. Um, so, you know, students are getting engaged in it in, in a much more organized and meaningful way, too. So if you're not on LinkedIn, you're not, you know, using the platforms to kind of tell your story. It's all about storytelling. It's time to take a look at the future want ads. We're going to ask our guests to give us an outline of a job that doesn't exist yet. According to the Institute of the Future, a nonprofit think tank based in Palo Alto, California, 85% of jobs that will exist in 2030 haven't been invented yet. Okay, Dario Guccini, what have you got for us? I'm passionate about driverless technology. And um, I have a job, I believe that we are going to have very soon a job, and I'm calling that job driverless track coordinator slash assistant. What will a driverless track coordinator do? A driverless track 
you're you're working logistics. The truck needs to deliver products from point A and point B. Something might happen due to weather conditions, example for example. So we will need someone to take control. There will be potentially a control operations control center where that person will be monitoring the logistics and uh, ensuring that the truck is going from point A to point B. What skills or education will be required for this job? Of course, you may need some software-specific uh, knowledge, but I don't feel that that's going to be that's the key. I believe that when we call when we look at the skills that are needed for the job, will be good judgment, will be uh, problem solving, uh, critical thinking, and um, and believe it or not, all the human soft skills that are needed to bring that empathy to the equation because also you have a client on the other side of the equation. How, how are you communicating to the client is if uh, the truck is not uh, arriving to destination? So a little bit of everything. That's a wrap on this episode of WorkShift. What did you think? Want to share your thoughts on work-integrated learning? Got an experience or story you want to share about? Email us at workshift at georgebrown.ca. Get in touch, and we might share your thoughts during our next episode. This podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at George Brown College. We want to thank Brian Convery and Dario Gashini for sharing their thoughts with us today. It's the end of your work shift. Thanks for listening.